Welcome to Corona Stories, the place where people can be open and honest about their feelings and experiences of COVID, lockdown and related matters. I'm Christine Padgham and I co-host this not-for-profit podcast with my friend Sylvia. If you would like to share your story with us or just have a chat, please get in touch. You can email us at coronastories at protonmail.com and we also have a telegram channel called Corona Stories. Please join us there friends and thank you for listening. In this episode, Sylvia and I speak to Mark Wynne, who was at the Avant-Garde pub in Glasgow on Hogmanay, which ended up being shut down by the police. And Mark's video went viral online, showing the police's quite shocking behaviour in that pub. Most of the police were great. There were just a few who were behaving in a way which is quite hard to understand or fathom. We hope you enjoy listening to Mark's account of the event and also his thoughts on the wider issues and what's coming for us in 2022. The opinions Mark has aren't necessarily shared by Sylvia and me. You can check out his videos for yourself in the show notes. Thank you for listening. Today is the 9th of January and we're delighted to have Mark on the podcast this evening. Hello. We also have Christine on the on the yep. podcast as ever. Hello Mark. Hello, hello. So the reason we've got you on Mark is because you're at a New Year's event. I was. In Glasgow. Yeah. And um, so do you want to tell us a bit about the event? Where was it? What was it that you were at? Okay, um, so it was a pub called the Avant-Garde pub. And it's a pub that um, is in the Merchant City of Glasgow. And and there's loads of pubs in that area and they're all trying to survive. And this one's quite interesting because on the door it has two signs and it says you know it's a non-discriminatory pub so you know sex creed you know whatever and it has a second sign that says you know um you know it's up to you whether you want to wear a mask or not and it's really quite interesting so you know there's no discrimination between wearing a mask not wearing a mask and you know i've been i was there for a christmas party beforehand and you know i go along there to kind of meet up with friends it's just it's a nice relaxing um, too. And myself and my girlfriend decided to go because we're concerned as people that are unvaccinated as to where we're going to be able to go this year, 2022, you know, because we're unable to travel, we're unable to go abroad. And, you know, if, if the UK, particularly Scotland being devolved, follows the steps of other countries, then we're going to be more limited. So we decided we were going to go for a Hogmanay party because it might be the last time that we got out. So we bought tickets and our tickets were 20. Was this a ticket event that you were at this? Yes. Or you know, did anybody walk in? No, um, our tickets were £25 each. 
and we went in at 20 past 10 but everyone that was in before us had the meal because it's you know they, they do food and they paid 40 pound a ticket okay and when we got there there were about 50 or so i call them ropes i've been told you know it's offensive just called them older people um so people above 60 there was about 50 and then there was about six of us that were under 60 that were there so I was quite surprised because I never realized it was, you know, an older group that were coming in for Hogmanay. Yeah. Um, and and that, that was about 20 past 10, you know, we arrived. I was driving, by the way. So this is really important. You know, I'm, I'm sober and I stayed sober all night. So all the films that you see were taken by somebody that was sober. But it was, I was on the dance floor and there was three couples dancing and I was one of them. And so this was about, I don't know, 20 to 11, court to 11 or something. Um, now, for those in Scotland, there was meant to be a guideline, or is a guideline that you, you know you have to be more than a meter away from each other. And us dancing, we were more than a meter away. Um, and two WPCs came in, and they came straight to me um, and said, mm -hmm. "You must stop dancing. Sit down now." And I was like, "Cool, I, you know, I, I've never been in trouble in my life." And I was like, "What?" And I'm being told, "You got to sit down, right? No dancing. You know, Hogmanay, no dancing." And there were two other couples and they went to speak to an older couple behind us who were, you know, that Glaswegian people are, are very much, um, you know, they, they say it as they see it and, and they were refusing to sit down. And the manager came over and uh, intervened and he, he kind of, I never heard the conversation, but the two police ladies were gently told to kind of leave and they left the premises and they're outside and they're taking pictures and on the microphone and they're standing across the road. And we're like, you know, so we're watching them, everyone's watching them, you know, and then the first band turns up, four policemen come in. So we've now got six now in the place. And this included, if I, I'm going to call him the lead policeman, right? I, I don't, I haven't, I'm not sure what his number was. And he, he was, he was one of my three troublemakers, you know, um, there were, when we get to the end of this story, we were visited by six police vans, at least 40 police officers. Bear in mind, this is a pub full of older people, right? OAPs. And, so and we've now got six in the place. Yeah. It looked like, you know, it was very civilised. Everybody was sitting at tables. It was well yep. spent. I, it just, nobody looked yep. like they were being drunken and disorderly. How many people do you think were in the pub? Well, I'm guessing, um, but I think about, I think about, I'm, I'm guessing about 56 and I yeah. think the pub's licensed for about 360. Like busy. To put it into perspective. No, no. I mean, the, the tables, where there were tables and people were sitting at tables, they were, nearly all of them were occupied. Um, it could have been busier, right? And there was nobody standing up. Everyone was seated. So it was well within the licensing laws and it was well within the guidelines so the, the police officers decided they were going to do a full investigation of the premises, right? We were like, everyone's sitting down, everyone's watching what's going on. Um, and they're, they're, they're going to the back room because there's another kind of um, another area that you can hire. And then suddenly there's a whole load of them in the kitchen. They, by this time, they've taken the manager outside and you can see they're giving him. Um, I spoke to him the following day twice and his words were they, they, gave, they were intensely intimidating him. And this guy was like, he's a Greek um, guy. And he was like, no, 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 no. He's, he's, he was standing his ground. So 
So we've now got from like six offices in the pub, you know, four of them are in the kitchen with the manager and, you know, everyone's starting to clap and kind of like jeer and saying shameful, shameful. Then we have another van of police officers turn up. So there's like, it's like seven or nine of them on the dance floor. And I've got a separate video for this. And some of the older people are up with their video cameras talking to the police saying, this is shameful. You know, this is a pub, this is Hogmanay. You know, what are you doing? And the police are just standing there. Cause what else can they do? Yeah. Um, and at one and, point, and then, the, owner, the Greek owner, he is coming out and he's saying to everybody, stay in your seats, stay in your seats. Yeah, and he was doing that because some of the police officers were going around telling people they had to leave. And people were like, why? And I asked one of the officers, why are we leaving? He goes, I don't know. And <laughs> somebody says, oh, you, you know, you, you no, no, serious, this is nuts, right? And, and one of the lead officers, who, who, so what happened was the lead officers um, took the manager and put him on the stage almost, right? For him to make an announcement to close the place. And instead of him taking the microphone, he stepped back from the microphone and you could see him saying to the lead officer, you tell them why you're closing the place. And the lead officer refused to take the microphone. And then he came around to us and, you know, and the police were saying, you've got to leave, you know, the, the, you know, it's broken a licensing law. And, we're, and I'm asking the officers, which licensing law is it broken? Don't know. <laughs> Why have we got to leave? Because you have to, right? And so the old people are like, like you know, we're not leaving. We're, we're staying here. We're staying here. And then there's a, a video of literally everybody clapping. I mean, previously the music was still playing and, you know, and, and everyone's kind of cheering along, you know, when the police are just wandering around. And that, and the manager comes around and says, no, you'll be seated, you'll be seated, you stay, you stay. Because we've got no idea what's going on. The police don't tell us. You know, if the police had been reasonable on the evening and said, we're terribly sorry, we're having to close because this has been broken or this has been done wrong. Um, and the police have made a statement that no COVID rules were broken, right? So, we, you know, this, this is like, in the, you, know, um, you know, come the following day in the press. And so that's when it all went complete Pete Tong and it went absolutely crazy because I said there was three police officers that were bang out of order and one was the WPC and, and I won't, I'll avoid from quoting a number on here because I think it's probably a bit unfair, but if you watch the videos, you can see who it was. And so she's kind of telling a table next to mine, you know, with me filming it, you lot need to leave. You know, and they're like, no, we're staying here. And she said, you know, and then the lead officer comes over and they're like, you leave or you're arrested, right? Point blank. You, you have to go or we're going to arrest you all. And so by this time, more vans have turned up and we have, I don't know, it's hard to say, at least 20 police officers in a pub with 50 OAP, OAPs. Now, I'm unsure whether they thought there was going to be a riot you know, and these older people are going to get out their pension books and start smacking them on the head or attacking them with the Zimmer frames, right? You know, and you're kind of like, what's going on? And then two things happen simultaneously. Um, one of the ladies, uh, the, this WPC, tried because she took drinks off the table mm -hmm. and then one of the older guys started to drink again. And he's like, it's Coke, it's Coke. And she's grabbing him and, and then they've got him in his arm behind his back. You know, people are booing him. But interestingly, the one guy, there was one guy that got arrested. Um, and uh, Paul was sitting behind me and he had walked 
to, towards where the table was behind me and a police officer stood in front of him. And this is the third officer that was a real major problem, stood in front of him. And this is the same officer that, to, that told me that, that he, he had no idea why the place was closing. And Paul said, I want to go and get my jacket. And the officer refused to move, refused to move. And he says, I need to go and get my jacket. Now, was he going to leave the pub? I don't know. <clears throat> Bear in mind, we've been told we have to leave. And he wants to go get a jacket. The police wouldn't, wouldn't oh. get out of his way. Um, and the policeman then started to manhandle him. And he's like, don't you dare touch me. And then the main officer comes over and he gets involved and he starts pushing Paul, who tries to balance himself because he's, he's been pushed off balance. And because of that and him standing up, the officer that was standing on my right jumps on him in a headlock, which is <clears throat> illegal. Yeah. He takes the headlock and he takes him to the ground with the headlock with another five officers, right? And, and while they're handcuffing him, he's still got him in a headlock. Right now, other people have died doing this. And if this was an older person, we'd be talking about a fatality right now. And so, because Paul, right. that's Paul, isn't it? That you're talking about, you got arrested, yes, yes. And he's a very yes. strong, fit chap, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, the way that they take him to the ground is just absolutely ridiculous. It's brutal, it's frightening. yeah, it's frightening. it's frightening, it is frightening. You know, you have a certain pride in our police force and you hope that they're going to be above that no. but to, to actually see that yeah. when it seems so over the it's top completely unnecessary anyway so they've got Paul to the ground and there's five six yeah. officers on top of him mm-hmm. yeah and his girlfriend who's the black lady was filming and so the police two WPCs um, grab her one was the troublemaking WPC earlier on and tried to grab a phone off her and you, you can hear, um, it's my girlfriend in the background saying, you, you know, that's wrong, that's wrong, you know, that's somebody's possession. And they wrestle her to the ground. Now, the one video you haven't seen, and I should have sent it through to you, is, and this is, this is filmed by my girlfriend, is you see this um, WPC that I'm talking about with an, an open hand, as opposed to being a fist, going straight for where Juliet's head would have been. Unfortunately, you can't see Juliet's head on the video, but you can see where she would have been and so this hand goes straight down. Now, the only two people that can tell you whether it was a, a force to the head is either Juliet or you know, the WPC. Um, and so she's been manhandled to the ground for filming her, I think it's her ex-husband, you know, being wrestled to the ground. So they put her on the ground as well. So she's just like in one place and both of them have been arrested for resisting arrest. But at no point... Were they, were they arrested at no point were they um, you know, arguing with the police to the point where they were, there was a reason for an arrest um, because the videos speak for themselves. So people can judge me for what I'm saying, but I'm saying, well, look, listen to me, but watch the videos. And so they're both on the ground now, handcuffed, you know, about to be handcuffed. The police are going around saying, right, you know, if you, you lot refuse to leave, you're all going to be arrested as well. <laughs> you know, um, you know you're like things about pump, you know. that struck me as unreal you know the, the police officer who went to the original guy who's like it's coke it's coke you know she lifts up the, oh. the drink and puts it back on the bar and you know before she walks over 
she does that classic thing of I mean business and she rolls up her sleeves, you know? Oh, yes, yes. So her poor yes. arms are bare and you're just like, oh. And, you know, this is a man in his finery. He's got his lovely kilt yeah. on, you know, a Bonnie Prince yeah. Charlie jacket on. He's sitting very peaceably at a table. There's, you know, he's not kicking off or anything. Not and, you know, so you see those sleeves going up, you're like, uh-oh. She was the same one that tried to take the camera off Juliet, and she was the same one that took Juliet to the floor, and she was the same one that went down there with the open hand towards where Juliet's, Juliet's face was. So I'm saying there's three people that are out of order here. The, the lead PC, the lead, the lead um, policeman, this WPC I've spoken about, and the one that put Paul in a headlock. The rest were great. Right, the rest. I think the police force, you know, in the whole of the United Kingdom, do a fantastic job. I honestly do, mm-hmm. and we're going to need them a lot more as the year goes on and into twenty twenty three. Um, and I spoke to some outside, and I said, you know, why? What's going on? We don't know. I said, why are you here? We don't know. Um, and there was one actually that that spoke to us when we left, and he was visibly shaking. You know, and he's like, well, you know, you, you know, just give me your email address, you know, because then we can put, you know, you can put in a, you know, a complaint about this. Yeah. Um, and they were great. They were great. It was just, it was just three of them. Hmm. Three of them had a god complex. <coughs> so, you know, they thought they were the law. We, we were told we had to leave because um, the place was over, and yeah, I mean, it's just swarming with police. And, you know, so you know, do you stay and get arrested? Or, or do you leave? So I went outside and the whole street is full of police. And I should say, um, I did later on go along and speak to another bar because we'd obviously tried to get in. Just This is about quarter to 12, tried to get in another bar. And they said, has there been a terrorist attack? And I was like, what do you mean? He says, well, well we saw all of these vans, you know, with the lights all, all herring in the direction you just come from. Was there a terrorist attack? And I was like, no. So I'm standing outside the pub and there's six vans. And there's like, I don't know, 40 plus police officers, some inside, some outside. And um, a large, uh, I say large, I mean like like tall um, Scotsman in a kilt walks out. And um, I think he was a bit unimpressed with what the police officers had to say. And he called one an arsehole. Mm-hmm. Right, no, you could, you, you could say something worse to a police officer. Um, and the police officer was, I'm not sure which one it was, was having none of this and just squared up to him. Um, and then prodded him a couple of times, and the, the guy looked at me and says, you, you, you getting this on the camera? And I said, yep, I'm getting it. And uh, he says, I'm 64. He says, if I, if I want to swear, I will swear, right? And they had, they had words, right? You know, so, I mean, I mean this is a 64-year-old guy that's been in for a good night, um, and the police officers don't want to put him in the back of the van as well. So in the end, it, you know, it calmed down a little bit, and, you know, he started to kind of uh, move away. I'm, do, I'm finishing off the rest of my filming. And then I, I actually, myself and my partner, left with him and his wife to go and see if we could get into another pub um, and just generally chat with him. So we kind of left the scene, as it were, and got tried to get into other pubs, but they're all closed down because of numbers and things and end up, um, you know, welcoming the bells, shaking the hands of um, other bouncers out, or doormen outside of other pubs. And this is what I'm saying, you know, other people that were in the street thought there was a terrorist attack. 
because of the amount of vans that have been racing to this one incident. Um, oh, totally ridiculous. Absolutely unbelievable. You know, because, you, you know, you think about the police and they're like, well, there's 50 people in a pub, right? Are they, are they troublemakers? Are they young? Are they throwing bottles? How many, how many officers do we need to send? And you go, no, they're, they're about 60 or 70 years old. Um, and even on that video um, that you put up, there's, there's two ladies, one's 71, one's 74, and they're really unhappy, right? Totally unhappy about, you know, the situation. Um, and to put this into context, I was in Asda that day, and Asda was busy, and Asda was full of people, and a lot of them were within one meter of me. And, you know, if I was dancing down the cheese aisle, you know, with people within one meter of me, would I have been arrested? Because that's the situation that was in the pub. You don't see 40 officers coming into Asda. And yeah. even after the bell signed them up, 20 past 12 or something, I went to George Square. So our main, like Trafalgar Square. And there were maybe 200 people in there having a mini party, right? And like, were the officers going in and saying, telling them that they need to stand more than one meter away? No. The officers went nowhere near anybody that's young and totally intimidated all these older people. As my, as my um, stepmom pointed out, some of them would have been on um, heart medication. Some would have had high blood pressure. And the last thing they needed was a pub full of police people, you know, throwing people to the ground and knocking drinks over tables. And, you know, you know the 74-year-old lady who left, I mean, she says to your camera, I'm 74 years old and I've never been in trouble with the police in my life. I've never, you know, she says something along those lines. Yeah, and yeah. You don't expect to start being treated that way by the police at age 74. No. You know, you've... And that, that, that's the impression that you get from this situation that most of the people at this evening haven't got criminal records. Mm. They're, they're, they're just out having a civilised hogmanay. Civilised. Mm -hmm. Totally and utterly civilised. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, like your mother or your granny, right, sitting down for dinner, you know, yeah. having a, a sherry or a port, you know, and then you get a police raid. Mm -hmm. you know, why? <laughs> why? 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 Why did that happen? And what happened to Paul and Julia and the other chap that got arrested? Was it just three arrests in the end? Yeah, yeah. Um, Paul and Juliet spent ten. Mm. Sorry. Yeah, I just wondered if they actually completed the arrests. Um, yes, they spent ten hours in a cell, and then they were released. Um, and the third person to be arrested was the owner, who was the licensee. Um, and all, all I know is. That the, the Paul and Juliet were arrested for, you know, um, resisting police arrest, but there were no arrests made. They were just thrown to the ground, literally. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and the police made a statement and they said that um, no COVID rules had been broken. So someone try and explain this one to me because I'm struggling. Um, what's interesting though is when you start looking at the bigger picture behind this, um, newspapers then brought out. Um, I read the online versions of the events, so things like The Sun, Daily Express, and I think The Daily Record in Scotland as well, and completely and utterly reported it totally inaccurately. Like, mm -hmm. And I think I, I was told that they, they'd got briefed by the police. Um, the Daily Express was, um, sorry, the Daily Mail's was a bit more accurate, and they got the ages of the people arrested wrong, 
the reasons why the police went in there wrong, the timing all wrong, everything was completely wrong. You know, and how they got all this information, I don't know. And it's almost like if you were a general member of the public reading the paper, you would have gone, that's terrible. Look at those terrible people in that pub. And they, you know, and it was almost like it was the police have you know, um, deflected away from why they were there. You know, now the first minister, Nicola Sturgeon, has made no announcement that I've seen. The police have made no announcement that I've seen. Um, and it's just really interesting when you stand back from this, was the pub targeted? You know, nothing to do with the um, older people that are in there, but because, you know, it had non-discriminatory posters in the window saying that everybody's welcome, whether you wear a mask or you choose not to wear a mask. And life's about choice. It's about freedom. Well, so the, it used to be. <laughs> we used to think it was. Mm-hmm. Well, that's my question to you. Yeah. Does or did democracy ever, ever exist? You know, or was it just an illusion, right? Because we think we can vote, and we do. We think we've got freedom of voice, and, and we say what we say. But if what we say goes against the rhetoric of um, what's, you know, the, the politicians, just, just call it the politicians want to see, it then gets shut down. So, for example, there were Twitter accounts, I think one had over 500,000 followers that were shut down because of my video. I'm really, really, really sorry for it. There was a political, um, I think it's all politics was one of the Twitter accounts. Oh, is that, that why shut down? shut down? Well, it, it happened straight after my video went up and it got suspended, yeah. yeah. Um, and so you kind of go, there were, there were people on Facebook that had the videos deleted. YouTube was the same as well. And you kind of go, why? Well, what, what, yeah. And it's very interesting that the, these newspapers that you mentioned have reported the event totally wrong. Because yeah. they've reported those facts as if they're facts. And sort of given details in the article, because I've read them all, they're given details in the article which seem very specific. So, like you're saying, mm. if you weren't, well, we now know, because I'm, it's a very strange experience when you're reading something in a newspaper about something that you really know about, and it's absolutely a lie. And I mm. imagine that must have been very much the experience that you had, because you were actually at this event, and then reading about it in the newspaper... It's just 100% false. But it just shows you that there is an agenda here. And the Daily there Mail is. and the Daily Record and the Daily Express, they've all just printed the thing that they've been told to print about this incident without mm. any attempt to actually investigate it whatsoever. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, all it, you kind of go, you kind of go, why? Why? And this is, this is why I make the point that I think what we call back- democracy, what we call freedom, is an illusion. It never existed. And people are finding that out now. I think what I would say about the democracy question, and again, this is just my view, is that what's maybe changed is the level of corruption in democracy. Mm. You know, I think through different periods of history, what happens with governments you know, if they become more corrupt, then you see that. And then in other periods of time, they're perhaps less corrupt. I'm never going to say they're totally uncorrupt because there's always corruption. But I think at this point in time, there is a lot of corruption. And 
we're seeing it a lot more. Mm. It's much C- more corruption different. in the past was about money. Mm-hmm. Corruption now is about power. Mm-hmm. It's about control. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, this is this is what it comes down to at the end of the day. You know, the, the money is there. Why are people making the decisions that they're making? Mm. You know, why why are they why why when you watch the television? I just ask questions all the time because it's really important. You know, and they'll talk about the number of people that have apparently got COVID, right? And the number of people that are in hospital. But why, if you if you had a balanced media, why does the balanced media not then say, oh, and by the way, we've had 1.2 million people who have registered on the government's yellow card that they've had an adverse reaction, right? Why, why is there no balance to this? Why is it always one way? And the poor public is totally blind to all of this. She yeah. sees a massive, and, massive and problem. Worse than that, because at one point, did Dr. Hillary Jones and Richard Madeley not look at a leaflet about the yellow card scream and say basically it was fake and ripped did it Did Richard up? Madeley do that? I think so. And it's just like, well, no, I mean, that's, that's not fake Jeremy Vine keeps saying that all the adverse reactions are just a sore arm. It's like, no, actually, Jeremy, they're not. If you go and look at the yellow card reports yourself, there's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different adverse events listed. I mean, let's be honest. Most people, if they've got a sore arm after an injection, that is what you expect. You You expect a little bit of bruising when somebody sticks a needle in your arm. You don't then take the time out. Everybody's busy to actually report it somewhere and go to the bother of finding the website mm-hmm. of finding the, the mm-hmm. um, form and filling it in. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to be more yeah. serious than that. So these people are just telling deliberate, demonstrable lies. Yes. But you got to ask why. Yeah. Why, why, why? Mm-hmm. I've got a friend in India and, um, and he, he's, he's been telling me for a little while and, and, and it, you know, sometimes you can you listen but you fail to hear and, and his opinion, he's quite an interesting chap. Um, his opinion is that the vaccines are turning people into zombies, right? And it's a really interesting kind of concept where people's perception of logic and common sense goes right out the window. And I had a psychologist talk one time and he, he said, look, you know, for example, with the, you know, with the pandemic, if you said t- to people, the pandemic's really bad, really bad, really bad, really bad, and you are not believing it. And then you went back to them months and months later and said, um, it's all over now. You can stop wearing your mask. Maybe 40% of the people would carry on wearing a mask, right? Even though the same guy said, it's all okay. It's all gone. It's all finished. There's something in the psyche of people that um, I've failed to kind of find even the words to describe this. They, They get themselves into a place. They're like a zombified. Yeah. It's almost like things like a mask become a crutch. And so yeah. you feel very vulnerable without it because you've become so reliant on it. Um, but it's interesting what your friend says about people being zombified because I've said this quite a lot. Um, and, you know, there is some concern about the vaccines triggering autoimmune illnesses in people. And one of the features that is well known with autoimmune illnesses is brain fog 
where it's very, very difficult to think logically and clearly. It's like thinking through cotton wool all the time. Mm. And so you do wonder if that is impairing people in terms of actually working out what's going on. It's a very good question. Um, and, and nobody's ever going to know, but when they do find out, it's going to be potentially too late if, if the level of repercussion from the vaccines, you know, keeps on going the way it is. I mean, I, mean, I, I was watching the news last week, right? And you, you get, um, so you go to France, Mitron, right? He wants to piss off all the unvaccinated. And you're like, why? And you go to France, uh, you go to Canada, you know, and the prime minister over there is the same. <clears throat> and then you watch Morrison in Australia. And he's, he's like, no, this is the way things are. And we're going to bolt everything down, you know, and you, you'll get locked up in a detention center. You know, you're like, the, the, you know, these are people that are meant to be highly educated, that have fought their way to the top of their profession, that are all saying the same thing. And in that same week, Boris is going to start a war against the unvaccinated. Yeah, it's always at the same time, though. It was This week it was Biden, Trudeau, Macron, yeah. the Italian <clears throat> Prime Minister, Morrison... Yeah. And Johnson, all at the same time, saying, well, Johnson was actually relatively polite when he said that anti-vaxxers were talking mumbo-jumbo. I'm sorry, Boris, are they really? Because basically what they're doing is quoting the government data back to them. But the other thing is, it's a label, isn't it? I don't consider myself anti-vax. It's just I have particular concerns about this vaccine. And suddenly I've to be given a label and I, I'm not happy about being labelled in any way, shape or form. You know, I'm not saying that I will never get a vaccine again. I'm not saying that every vaccine is definitely going to be bad, yeah. but I'm concerned about this vaccine. Well, that makes you an anti-vaxxer. It, well, but it, <laughs> it is not, I do not identify with that label. No, I don't identify with that label either. Yeah. I agree. I mean, this, this, is, this is the first mRNA um, vaccine to ever receive any level of approval. <clears throat> and even that is just as an emergency until 2023. Um, and I, I've seen people like um, Dolores Cahill talk. And the reason why it's never been approved in the past is because the animals they tested it on either all died or nearly all died. Mm. And so no genetically mod, no vaccine that is a genetic therapy has ever been approved for those reasons, yeah. right? And you could you could explain that to someone that's had a vaccine, and they'll look at you in the face and go, "I don't know what you're talking about." Mm. Right? It, it's almost like this brain fog thing. It's like they've been reprogrammed in some way. It's really weird. Yeah. Really weird. It is weird for you. I, I recently <laughs> the chat with somebody like that, and I I had to bring it back to the fact I was like, yes, but what I don't understand is why we don't treat people as soon as they are symptomatic, you know? And it was almost like this little light bulb went off in their head. They were like, oh, I never even thought about that. You know, it's like, well, you know, it's everybody knows with medicine that if you treat something when it's a flame and not a fire, you have a better chance. So why are we waiting for those that do become ill to be seriously ill and require hospital admission before we do any kind of treatment? 
it's just insane. It, it's, it, and I'm sure you've seen probably some of the, or, or all of the same things that I've seen. And, and a lot of American doctors have said, why is there no guidance or advice that when someone's sent home, what they're to do, right? You know, so they've, they've tested positive or they've got COVID and they're sent home. But there's no advice to what do they take? What do they do? Yeah. And then they've shown all the, um, like Invermectin, um, you know, as one treatment. That, and, and there are, and it's not case studies, is it? It's um, papers that have been written on, on its performance as being something that will be very, very successful, giving to people at very early stages that show they have COVID. You know, like, like you would take aspirin if you had, you know, a paracetamol, if you had a bad headache, you know. So you go home, take a couple of these pills, and hopefully you'll be absolutely fine. There's no middle ground. It's like, I'm sorry, you know, you now need to wait it out and you need to, you know, see what, what influence it has on you. Mm -hmm. But it's the thing, once you've been bad, I mean, as Dr. McCullough keeps saying, the inflammation that some people experience with a SARS-CoV-2 infection is absolutely incredible. Like, it for some people, it just causes such massive amounts of inflammation and systemic inflammation and then you get the blood clots and everything but if you'd try to stop the virus replicating like on day one or two of the infection you don't get to that inflammation stage and inflammation is really hard to treat once it's systemic i mean you're it's like you're saying by that time the house is well and truly on fire yeah. <laughs> you're it's just, I mean, it's been medical negligence on an absolutely enormous scale. And I don't think it's really, you know, controversial. It, it's for not, it's not necessarily what doctors want to do. It's, again, what it's they're in, being told to do. Yeah, the government's practising medicine now. But, so, getting back to the police, then, do you have any idea what triggered this, Mark? Like, why, why were there six? was it six or seven police vans outside that pub six six what do you think do you have any idea what triggered it you could look at this a number of different ways you could say was the avant-garde pub targeted by the police because it had posters on the door saying it was non-discriminatory towards mask wearers and everybody else you know so you could ask the question was it a police target you then you then say you know did the police officers were they offended by the fact that my dancing was that bad because they came to speak to me first? Um, you know, and everything escalated after that. How you escalate that to six bands, I don't know. Did the police panic about something? Were they expecting things to kick off? Or what do you think? Well, if you think about it, when you phone up for police vans and then you phone up for more police vans and you phone up for more police vans, because you normally just phone up for a van to turn up if you're a police officer and someone's going to say, well, where are you? Well, I'm, I'm outside a pub with 50 OA, OAPs in it. Is there any violence? No. Is there any trouble? No. Are, are they writing and hitting me with their Zimmerfames and their pension books? Have they got their ration tins out? No. How does it, how does it escalate from six people on a dance floor more than one metre apart so they're meeting all guidelines to, to the next stage. And I have no idea, you know, did people throw anything at the police to get themselves arrested? No. Did they insult the police officers to get arrested? No. Did they punch the police officers? No. 
did the police officers simply just jump on top of them? Yes. But how, how do you get to having six bands? Because, you know, if you're going to phone up because there's problems and send reinforcements, more reinforcements turn up, you say send more reinforcements. I've got no idea. I've got I no mean, idea. For, for that to happen, the police surely have to have called for backup. You know? Yes, on multiple occasions. And, yeah. you know, they must have thought there was a reason they need, well, you you think to do that you need a reason, but it doesn't seem like there was a reason on this occasion. Certainly wasn't well, obvious. Yeah. Well, you, you've got Glasgow, which is full of people in multiple pubs, in, in the streets and everything else. Why would you send a resource, which must have been quite a few of your officers, to one place and then send more vans and more vans and more vans? Well, it's certainly and a bit why? of an indication that Glasgow was generally very peaceful that night. <laughs> if they could afford or, or people in need were going without. I mean, what an it, absolute waste of public resources and yeah. public expense. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, I mean, if you added up what that cost, I've got no idea what it would have cost, but it would have been probably tens of thousands of pounds to try and arrest some old people. Yeah. Like, that's what it comes down to. You know, there was, there was nothing done in the pub. There was no drinks thrown. You know, there was no insults to anyone. It was just like shame on you. You know, there's just comments like that. Um, you know, I mean, the only bad language I heard was the word asshole, right? That's all I heard. And, and I, and I was standing there. As a, a former Glaswegian, well, I am a Glaswegian, but I don't live there anymore. The police in Glasgow have heard far worse than that. <laughs> Without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. I Somebody made a point to me when if, if there's a riot going on a, a, a football match, the police stay in the van and they just let it go on. But on this occasion, they've all gone out the van and most of them are coming to the pub. <laughs> and you've got to bear in mind, you're kicking older people outside, okay, relatively mild, but you're still kicking them outside when they would have had taxis booked by maybe half 12, one o'clock, yeah. right? You're kicking old people into the street and telling them to offend for themselves. Otherwise, we're going to arrest you. Why? You know, any common sense, any decent police officer would turn around and he would have made an announcement, or she would have made an announcement and said, I'm sorry, but we're having to close it. And these are the reasons why police didn't wait at the door. And Glaswegians would have turned around and said, oh, you know, fair enough, we understand the reasons why now. We will now make our way outside. Mm -hmm. But that never happened. I mean, it kind of stands to reason, doesn't it, that anybody who feels like their civil liberties are being infringed unfairly are going to stand up for themselves in a polite way, which is what I saw happening on the videos. They're going to say, oh, why? And no, I don't think this is right. Mm -hmm. You don't then expect well, it to escalate from yeah, there. As a police officer, are you really expecting to go in to a pub where people have paid tickets to be there and say to them, like, pounds. 40 pounds a head. Exactly. Up you get, you're leaving now, and you're expecting them to say, oh, all right then. <laughs> whatever you say, whatever you say. When there's you no leave. incident, when there's no obvious reason. No. I mean, I wouldn't, you, I wouldn't leave. Of course you're going to say. I was talking to um, my husband about this and saying it's a bit like, you know, if you're, like when I'm asking my children to do something that I know they don't want to do. You always go in gentle. You go in easy. <laughs> I say, 
Listen, I know this is really shit. That's what you've been doing wrong. You want to put them in a headlock and force them to the ground, put handcuffs on them, right? And then yeah. tell them to do it. And but of course, that's the way the police do it. So you should be following suit. Well, exactly. And the reason that you, <laughs> the reason that you don't do it is because it's much easier to try and get cooperation from somebody. But the other thing is that as a parent, as a person of authority over my children, I want them to trust me because it's not just going to make it easier to leave on this day if I'm saying time to go, I know you don't want to go. It makes it easier to leave now, but it also makes it easier to leave the next time and the time after that. All these police have done in that pub is make like how many people were there? Sixty, you said maybe. They've made sixty. En- they've made sixty enemies. They've made sixty people now who are like actually. I'm not that impressed. You they have older, vulnerable OAPs that have now got a distrust in the police. Yeah, they're going to go home and tell their families, and their families are going to get crossed because their granny was thrown out of the pub. And it's just—it's like a public relations disaster. It's totally pointless. No, it's, it's, it's much, much more than sixty because. The videos you've seen have had, I've lost count, yeah. but probably more than 2 million views. Okay? Um, I, I had for about 48 hours, maybe maybe 72 hours, my phone would ping every two seconds because I, I, I put up a couple of comments just to correct a few people. And the support that came through on Twitter, yeah. liking comments or making things, was like, I, I, I never used Twitter, right? And my phone, you know, I never turn the notifications off, but I left the Twitter bit on, so stop it, ping, 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 ping. <laughs> and hundreds and hundreds of people said, I'm going to go and visit that pub. I think what they're doing is brilliant. Yeah. The support for the pub was unbelievable. It's the best PR that the pub's probably ever done. <laughs> but the number of people, and I'm talking about thousands, probably even tens of thousands, because, you know, I see a little bit of it, you know, that were like, this is what Sturgeon's, you know, um, well, I don't know how you probably express this, but totally anti-Sturgeon, anti-democracy, you know, totally anti-police. I think the anti-police is a bit harsh because yeah. there's only three officers that were a problem. The rest but, are great. Yeah, this is the other, um, but that's the other thing. It's terrible for police generally. They don't want to be seen like that and have people's backs up. And the next time, you know, next time there's a group of people in a pub and there's a spot of bother, people are going to be, who've seen that video perhaps, are going to be primed, you know, to have their back, their backs are up. It's just so destructive from every single angle. It's just... Yeah, but why? Why? Uh-huh. Why, 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 why has it happened? And why has it happened, do you think, Mark? Cause... Well, well, you've got to look at life in a different way, my personal opinion. And whatever happens was always going to happen, right? And so you need to, if you stand way, way back from a situation and unattached to, so a lot of people that were on my Twitter account are attached to being anti-Nicola Sturgeon or the anti-the police or they're anti-something or they're looking for a reason. But if you stand back from the whole thing, it comes back to the fact that, and it's probably more than one fact, but you know, we have no democracy. It's an illusion. It was a lie that we were told, right? And now when people are, you know, wanting to, to stand up for themselves, you know, they're not being allowed to do so. This is why the press was so inaccurate in terms of everything that was on that. Um, you need, and you need, this is only one event, remember, and there'll be multiple events like this. Um, you know, you've seen all the kind of, you know, the heavy handedness that the police 
can get involved in, you know, when, when the public start complaining that, you know, you know, it's my body, why should I be forced to take something? And then you look at what's happening in other countries in terms of, you know, the forced vaccinations, um, detention centers. Following this event, you then have the daily record putting a poll online asking, should there be detention centers for the unvaccinated, right? So, and interesting enough, the daily record that um, printed this, um, when it went online, every other article in the paper, you could make an online comment about. On this article yeah. about avant-garde, they blocked any comments. Yeah. And if Funny you step back from all of this, we're, we're moving towards um, situations in the country where personal opinion, just mine, where we're facing chaos and collapse. And the problems that we're beginning to experience are getting worse and worse and worse. You know, energy prices for one thing. Mm -hmm. you know, and as these other problems come along, it's a bit like dominoes. They, they all impact on other things. You know, you can see it with the NHS. You know, they have a shortage of staff as it is now. And a lot of people are going to walk away from the NHS. They're walking away from social care, right? Because of conditions, because of being forced to take a vaccine. And the NHS is only working to 90% capacity. You add on the 10% that they're missing because of people being allowed to work. And then if, if another 10% then leave, the NHS will collapse because it's unable to deal with what it needs to do because somewhere along the line, it's lost 30% of its staff. There's a much bigger problem here. Mm -hmm. Much, much bigger. This is just one small event. And it's, it's like connecting dots and things. And, the problems that I personally that, that are going to hit us from this year moving forward will be like nothing that we've ever seen and they'll just like connect into each other. Yeah, so and, that, and what all of those things have in common is that the state is starting to work against people. Very and much very, so. Yeah, and it's an so like Another reason that a lot of people are becoming disillusioned with the NHS, is, for example, is because of the things that they've been asked to do that they're extremely uncomfortable about. I was speaking to some nurses today who were saying that they're absolutely horrified at the things they've been asked to participate in. And without going into specifics about what those things are, one of them was denying relatives access to the hospital. One of the nurses was like, this is against, I've been a nurse for 40 years. This is against every single thing that I was taught as a nurse. So when I studied nursing 40 years ago, I think it was a very different um, process to study nursing. But she's saying, we were, it was explained to us, a patient will not get better without visitors. Absolutely, you know, because like, your you wellness is yeah, you connected can, to your psyche and your psyche requires... Yeah. But she was like, you can give a patient all the medicine in the world and you can feed them and you can water them and you can treat them. But if they've not got access to their loved ones, they are not going to get better. And she's like, and then now it's like, well, because we've got this low mortality virus going around, you're not allowed to have patients' relatives in the hospital. And she was also making the point that I've made, I mean, hundreds of times it must be on this podcast. You cannot have a situation where institutions are not overseen by relatives like whether that's a school or a you know church facility even or a hospital you 
a care home, you, you have to have people in. And this is, I think, what you're getting at, Mark, that the state is just becoming so big and so pervasive that we're going to be, we're, we're sort of heading towards this situation where we're totally powerless against them and they can come into a pub and tell us to stop drinking and go home or we'll get arrested. Stop drinking Coke. Stop drinking Coke. Yeah. And they don't have to give you a reason why. They don't even have, they're not even accountable in the moment. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. What's the difference between capitalism and communism? There is no difference. Okay. <laughs> so, my, my definition is, one is competition with no sharing, and one is sharing with no competition. Mm -hmm. Okay. But if we have no freedom, because as soon as we start to speak, you're shut down, and then, you know, all, all the channels that you would normally speak on on Facebook are shut down, and then the media starts to report, as it did in this case, what it wanted to report, so Joe Bloggs, you know, sees it as something completely different. You have, you're quite right, no difference between communism and capitalism, and we, in the Western world, pop out our chests and say, we live in a free world, isn't amazing, it's so much better than you people in communist Russia or wherever, right, where you have no say. Now we're finding out we have no say. And what you're going to see, you know, you, you can see it yourself, you know, is, is the people that, you know, lead these marches you know, to, to make a, you know, a public point about something or other will be targeted, they will disappear. You know, if you're going to control the snake, you cut off the head. And it would be bit by bit by bit by bit. And you've got to step back even further from that and ask the questions, why are things getting worse? Because they are getting worse. If you look at the problems in the UK, you know, as you know, it was going to be another 51% up, you know, come April. Why are things getting so bad? Right? You know, surely a, a politician who was, had some form of, you know, he was consciously awake to even some degree and wanted to represent the people would have some form of common sense. But none of them. When you, when you referenced Boris earlier on during the week talking about the anti-vaxxers, look at his face, how tired and drawn he is, right? If you actually had a chance to sit down with him, I, I bet you find he's, he's on his last legs. I'm not going to say he's going to die, but, you know, I'm just saying he's, he's looking really, really rough. You know, what, where are the politicians that, have that common sense to stand back and go, actually, this is a sensible route to follow. That's a sensible route. Mm -hmm. I'm going to protect the people. Right? Mortgages are going to go up yeah. right? to combat inflation. Right? When you connect all the dots and what it will mean for businesses that are unable, like hospitality, retail, mm -hmm. to get a kind of, well, I suppose hospitality, you know, to get a proper December, right? People, it, there's a whole form of dominoes that are set up here to collapse. And the question is, is that intentional? Well, it's, very, it intentional? Yeah, it's very hard to believe that people could be this stupid. Um, we were just, it's possible. Yeah, we were just yeah. talking at dinner time, actually, in my family. We, are connect, we have a connection to Arran, the island of Arran off the west coast of Scotland. Oh. And... I haven't actually read the article, I skim read it, but there was something in the Scotsman today about the ferry. So Aaron now has this perpetual problem of ferries being cancelled. So the ferry used to run all the time, and now it can't. There's actually a few reasons for it. No. But 
But one of the things is that the Scottish government had decided that the ferry should use LPG fuel. Okay. Right? To be green. But you can only get LPG fuel from some refinery or something or whatever they were. I don't know anything about LPG. Down in the Thames. <laughs> so it has to be transported up on the road <laughs> from London to here. And so there's this fueling issue with the ferry. And I was saying, we were talking about this with my eight and 11 year old daughters. And the 11 year old said, so did they not think about that when they decided they should have LPG fueled ferries? Yeah, it's and like it, green, LPG, that's yeah. green, tick box, yeah. transport for getting LPG to necessary destination, get, not considered. They don't get past green. the, we want a green ferry, so it'll have to be LPG fuel, and that's it. They stop thinking. Of, then the eight, my eight-year-old said, we did um, politics exercise in class, and um, we did more thinking than that. <laughs> Excellent. No, but I mean, well, it's not excellent that an eight-year-old is able to think through a problem infinitely better than the Scottish government is. <laughs> is it? Well, I mean, if you look back to the Tories' performance when they um, deleted the feeding tariff from solar panels, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's the most. Well, apart from them selling gold, I mean, this is probably one of the most major disasters. That, hardly anyone talks about yeah. because if they if they had to catch some feeding tariff there and you would have got a reasonable payback on your solar panels you still would have had hundreds of thousands maybe millions more houses that had solar panels generating power reducing the this you know increasing amount that you have to pay now mm-hmm. you know which I mean, I, I, I mean i'm involved in this industry and I've got I know companies that are signing up to contracts at 30 and 35 pence per kilowatt hour. In my house in September, I signed up to 24 and I was shocked because I just moved six months previously and my previous contract was 14. So yeah. I'm 14, 24, companies signing companies that, that want bigger buying power than me at 30, 35. And I'm like, what is it that I don't know? See, in life, it's not what you know that's important, it's what you don't know. Right? You've yeah. got to keep asking, what is it I don't know? What, yeah. do I, what do I not know? What, what, what is it? And if we had all these solar panels, you'd have an industry of people fitting them. Mm-hmm. Right? You'd, have a, you'd have an industry, you'd have a work country of people being self-generated that could actually power up their own cars, but mm-hmm. we don't. It was destroyed. It's totally and utterly destroyed. And yeah. who, and who, can you show me one politician one energy specialist that mentioned last August or September we had an energy problem coming. Yeah. Only one. None. Right? None. Right? Yeah. I think that, this is what we... Inept. Yeah, the conclusion that we've been coming to, I think, on Corona Stories is definitely that they cannot be this stupid and this short-sighted. And, I mean, I, we said in the... Well, I said... But they can Sorry? They can. Okay. It depends. Well, okay, so you've got to go, who tells the uh, prime ministers, first ministers, etc., what is the best strategy? Who, who tells them that? Because there's no way they're going to make decisions off their own part. So you can say scientists to a certain degree, 
but there has to be other organizations that tell them what they should be doing. World Economic Forum, for one, right? Which I'm sure you've probably spoken about on numerous occasions. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you know, you, if you keep stepping back and back and back and back, you're quite right. How can all of the people that run this country be such idiots? How can they? How can they kill democracy? How can they use a PCR test? And even the owner said, never use this for PCR, right? And they ignore it. You know, how, how can they talk about the number of people, you know, a huge number of people in hospital that are unvaccinated? That's only because they've had the first vaccine, second vaccine, but never took the booster because they didn't want the booster. Yeah. So, so the numbers are all skewed themselves. These people are just puppets at the end of the day. Mm. They're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. But they're nothing more than just puppets. The, the problem right. is that there is too much advice sought from people that have a conflict of interest. And, you know, we had a look at the SAGE documents when they were released mm-hmm. last year, didn't we? And we were amazed that actually some of what was being said by SAGE actually correlated to what we thought and thought was true science. But the government then wasn't following what they were saying, but said, but we are following the science. And you're like, well, which science? Whose science? <laughs> because it doesn't yeah. seem to be the science even of some of your advisors. Yes. But what I also find interesting about that was the number of people on SAGE who um, were not listed because they did not want to have their name published as being an advisor. Now, I'm sorry, I think that's totally wrong. If you are in a position where you're advising the government, in my opinion, it should be public knowledge who you are and what possible conflicts of interest no. you might have. And the only reason you would want to hide it is because you have a conflict of interest. So we can assume that all of those people had massive conflicts of interest. Exactly. Exactly. It's um, it's it's a very frightening world once you start peeling back the layers. Yeah. Yes, the, the world is totally different to what we think it is. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it's, it's like we're living in a dream. Right? And at, at a conscious level, we are living in a dream. And occasionally we see a little bit of light and then we, we you know, and it helps us as a very often a kind of tangent, it's a different day. Um, but this is the problem. We, we think we know everything about everything that's around us, but most of it is false. 99% of everything in our world is an illusion at the end of the day. It's trying to break those illusions and actually seeing what the real picture's like. And because our eyes are awake, we think we're consciously awake. We're not. We live in a dream. Yeah. And we're now beginning to find out the elements of that dream are completely false, like democracy, freedom. Right, it never existed. We we were allowed to do certain things, which proved it was right. We were allowed to go and speak on corners. We were allowed to vote. So we thought we had a democracy. But when certain people that are in charge want it done a certain way, <clears throat> you know, so all your, your nurses that are unvaccinated and doctors, tough, lose your jobs. Social care, lose your jobs. You know, the, the logic goes out the window. You know, and this is where we're, we're being steered towards, and I'm going to give you one word, and it's exclusion. We're being forced into a world where people start to exclude themselves. So in other words, you know, the world exists, the country exists, there's a system. 
unless you do certain things, then the system says you have excluded yourself. So, I don't know, a stupid thing, right? Within a banking system. But because you've chosen to be unvaccinated, you have excluded yourself. That's your choice. Therefore, it's tough. And you exclude yourself. And this is what we're now beginning to find out about. And this is why I'm saying things will get a lot worse. A lot, lot, lot worse. And people think things are going to get better. They need to have a look at every single civilization that has existed on this planet. And they've all gone through like a bell curve where they've got, you know, they've, they've got better and better and life has been great and people shared things. It was, you know, the right structures they had and they reach a peak and then something happens and then it goes over the top and then it starts to involute, it starts to degradate, it starts to kind of devolute and then suddenly people want power, you know, they want to play with GM crops, they want to play with GM bodies and everything comes down and down and down. And we're on that cycle just now and this is why things are getting worse. It's because civilization has gone over the top at some point, come down. So Aztecs, Mayans, Egyptians, right, uh, Greeks, Romans, all reached a peak, and then they came down and they collapsed and disappeared. And, and this, this is what I'm just saying. Like, stand back. It's just, you know, look at everything that's happening in the world. Why is it going the way it's going? Why are things getting worse and worse and worse? And there's a reason for it. It's because it was always going to happen this way. Mm. And that's about reality and it's about awareness and it's nothing to do with fear. It's just how things are. And it's how things will go. I'm, I'm trying to find an uplifting message. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't, really. No, I can't. there is. Oh. There is. It's okay. all about awareness. Because if you know... Right. If you know something is going to get, potentially get worse, right, we'll just use the word potentially, and, and you know you're, you, it's not what you know, it's what you don't know. You stand back and you look at the whole thing. Then you can say, well, how, how can I make my life better? And if these things never happen, then you've improved your life anyway. But it's better to know about them and prepare yourself for them than to do nothing. And that's exactly what I'm doing. So what are you, you know, doing, Mark, to prepare? Well, you have to prepare at five levels, right? So you've got to prepare financially. So in other words, um, I've gone through all the stuff that I don't need, football programs, on toys. What can I sell? You know, so financially you're looking to, you know, how much money can I possibly accumulate? Then there's, you know, you prepare at a physical level, you know, health fitness, what does that mean? You've got to prepare mentally, you know, mental health. You've got to prepare psych from a psycho psychology point of view. So um, I spoke about fear earlier on, you know, fear of being, you know, somebody wanting to hospitalize me. I have no fear of that anymore. You know, I've had this experience with the police in the pub. I know I have no fear of that. And you've got to prepare at a spiritual level. Right? And so I have those five levels of preparation, but outside of that, I have a um, a plan or a belief in terms of how I think the year is going to go and next year is going to go. And so off the back of that, I'm positioning myself and I've set up a small group. There's a tiny, tiny group and I'm looking at 10 areas where I need to prepare, prepare myself. So things like clothes, garden tools and building things. What kind of vehicles do I need? You know, what do I do about food and water supplies, um, weapons, medicines? Uh, communications, you know, there's this 
general equipment is, and so I'm, I'm looking at if things were to get really bad over the next year, two years, where do I need to be? And what do I need to have as, as a general thing around me? And I'm taking this very, very seriously. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people have become kind of preppers um, as a result of what's been happening. And um, But I think the other thing I always feel about all of this is structure and that people that agree with you, you need to get structured and and Mm -hmm. be together because when you're united, you're harder to pick off. If you're divided and on your own, you're much, much easier to pick off. So, you know, I I would say to anybody is, you know, find like-minded people mm-hmm. to be with. Agreed. And, and I, I, also I, I, try not to alienate people who disagree with you. You yeah. know, try try and, you know, at least try and find the thing in them that would say I I would stand with you if push came to shove I might not agree with you but it's it's a very tricky line I've noticed that that's becoming harder and harder I think the gaps between the two groups of people is getting bigger it is it is but bear in mind things change so for example this is just whatever anybody's belief is is what everyone's belief is but if things got worse and the yellow card numbers went up and if more people because you, you see them all the time on the television or the, or the, you know, the media channels you know having heart attacks you know the number of football players and, and if this became a thing then you're going to get some people um that are vaccinated or maybe a whole load to start to ask more and more questions and those people that maybe disagreed with you vehemently before and now starting to look at why, 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 why is, is this happening? Mm-hmm. You know, and and if, if your problems then got worse, so for example, you had a financial collapse or there were power cuts, right? And you, I mean, what would you do if on more than one occasion, and you can blame um, the Chinese or the Koreans for, you know, going in and, and, and cutting off supply or something like that, you know, you know um, through the hackers, what if you lost your, you know, your gas or your electricity for two or three days? What would you do? And what if that had happened, you know, maybe a month later? The, the panic that that would create within people. And as soon as you create panic, and I went to uh, Tesco's on the 27th, and I've never seen so many people in my life. You know, it's like they haven't been fed. They're diving in. Yeah. And if, if, you, if your social structure starts to collapse, you start calling on the police and the police aren't able to come because maybe they're looking after their families or whatever. Um, and so somebody breaks into your house or steals your car and there is no police to back you up or they're going to take two days to get there. You create more fear. And what I'm saying is if, if, if you took, no, if I mentioned to you 20, I don't know, 20 months ago, two years ago, everyone's going to be wandering around in masks or a lot of people are. And, and you're going to get people that have, you know, onto their second booster possibly, you know, there are four vaccinations and business have been shut down and we've incurred, you know, hundreds of billions of debt. You look at me and I go, you're nuts, Mark. You're crazy. But it's happened. Yeah. So the other things I'm talking about here, and very some of them, can happen. And if they did, 
how would you feel about it and what would you do? Yeah, well, we, we had a bit of a dress rehearsal with that because of Storm Arwen. Um, yeah. The power was out for a long time for some people. In we were area. three days, but other people were five, six days. And some people lost water as well because the electricity that supplied the pumping stations was out. So the the water yeah. was out as well. Um, and, you know, I think it does show you how reliant we have all become on our mod cons. Well, it's not just mod cons, it's heating. Like, a lot of people here just have electric cookers and because um, we don't have gas. Mm-hmm. And they have oil central heating. Well, you need to have uh, electricity to run your oil central heating. Your boiler, no matter what the fuel heat source is, yeah, you need still need... So people were getting really, really cold. <laughs> and the answer was, what are you going to do? Well, it's actually very hard to get anything done because you're just so busy trying to keep warm and, and eat. Yeah. It was quite eye-opening, actually. It was quite an eye-opening experience. But if you then, you know, added on to that, maybe the inability to go shopping because you're short on money or or there's a shortage of certain foods. Mm-hmm. You know what people like. There's only got to be a little shortage. And then, the, you know, the BBC, you know, shows a couple of stores, that, you know, just two stores. And there's only two stores in the whole of the country. Mm-hmm. You know, there could be like 5,000 supermarkets that are packed full of food and they show two and then everybody panics and then there's no food. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like the, it's the psychology of the fear. Well, the, the good fear thing about the good thing about a complete power cut with also right, communications being down is that you had no access to any news. Because <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even have mobile phones like our mobile phone network was down. So we didn't have any news at all. And actually, in some ways, it was quite peaceful because you couldn't know what was happening anywhere. And you um, lose the background chatter. Yeah all the time you forget how much that's become a presence in our lives yeah but so. if you look at the world there is this you know you mentioned it earlier with different countries this sort of you know it's like a tsunami but it, it it's you know 100 miles away from you but you can see the swirl that's beginning to create and it is as you said a growing difference between vaccinated and then being boosted and boosted and boosted and you're in the system and all those ones that say, well, you know, I'm a bit unsure about this. I think I'll stay where I am because I feel fine. You know, uh, and, and that growing swell of we need to do something about the unvaccinated, you know, and let's build some, you know, camps for them. Let's start to exclude them from this, exclude them from that. You're only a few steps away from, you know, people who choose to be a certain way being excluded or them choosing themselves to be excluded. So you know, he, say, he says that you're worthy because obviously, you know, you're spreading germs, you're a problem. You know, you're creating all of this unrest in the country, you know, by even running podcasts like this. So we think we should limit your internet and you can only have 3G. Or let's even take it down to 2G. You know, that sounds ridiculous. But what if it happened? You know, yeah. You know, energy, well, let's speak to your supplier. And obviously you're on a naughty list, so let's cut your supply until you decide you're going to do something better. You say that's ridiculous, but, you know, having a population that's wearing masks, you know, even in the car, 
I see people out walking in a wood, right? And I'm like, hello, there's nobody within a mile of you and you're wearing a mask in the trees. What, what COVID is going to hide behind the tree and it's going to jump out and go boom, right? You know, people are so programmed into this now. You know, and anybody, anybody that, that, that has anything that's different from the rhetoric that's being put out there, particularly that that's coming down from the World Economic Forum, and they're filtering its way through the leaders and they're filtering its way down. But you know, it's your choice. You can exclude yourself. I think as well, it's going to come as a shock to some people because I think more and more people have had reactions to the booster. And so some of them are saying, no, that's me. I've had my two jabs. I've had my booster. That's me. No more. Um, I'm not reacting well to this. But what they don't realize is they're going to be called an anti-vaxxer when they skip the next booster. (laughs) <laughs> yes, so, yes, you, you can have two two vaccines and a booster, and you decide to avoid the fourth booster, and then you're you, and then basically you're out of the system. Yeah. You're now no longer covered. Yeah. You know, and, and when you see the the Australian government turn around and say they've got enough vaccinations for the whole country for the next seven years to vaccinate everybody six months, tell me why? Why would anybody commit? To having so many vaccines now and make that financial commitment and buy that in. Why? Why? Why would you do that? There's no, there's no explanation that anybody could ever provide, even a vaccinated person. Yeah. No. And even am, the am I able to? No. It's mm-hmm. lunacy. Mm-hmm. It's lunacy. There's no explanation to anything. This is the problem. Right. So all you can do is talk about it, which is what a lot of the the groups that are out there do, or what I would suggest is you stand back and you take a very long look and connect the dots for yourself and then try and try and look at how you think everything is going to progress. It's horrible over this year and next year into 2024. Uh, um, and it, it, it's a personal opinion that people have to make. You've got to do it from a, a long way back. You have to stand a long way back and look at it mm-hmm. and just ask the question, what if? Um, and I, I put together a kind of shepherd and sheep principle that described 2021, 22, 23, and 24. And it's just how I'm looking at the relationship between everything that's going on. And to me, it describes perfectly you know, how things will go in a very simplistic way. Well... I'm a joy, anti. You wish you'd never been invited me on. No, not at all. We, no, no. Everybody, we, we've had some real doom and gloom on our podcast. We're, we're not afraid of a bit Thanks. of doom and gloom. Thanks. Can I get a medal for being the doomest and the gloomiest? I don't know if you are. I'm sorry. Well, I, I, I'm not because <laughs> I, I, do, do, doing what I'm doing, I feel really, really good about it. Yeah. And I'm putting myself in a completely... And, and from a spiritual point of view, you know, in life, it could be one thing or another, right? We're given freedom. We're given free, what people call free will, but it's really choice. And, you know, so choice means you can choose to be, you can choose to be happy or sad. You can choose to be wet or dry. You know, you can choose to look at, you know, for the solution or focus on the problem. You can choose to live in fear or you can choose to be excited about your life. And whichever choice you make will then define what happens next. And so this is it people sitting here and I'm saying you have a choice. You can either go 
oh, oh, it's going to be really, really bad, and things are going to get worse, and what am I going to do? And, and it's like sitting on the beach and the tsunami's coming at you, and you're still sitting on the beach, and you're like, that's a big wave, isn't it? Um, mm. Or you can choose to go, well, I can see there's a big wave coming. I think it'd be better if we we did something about where we are or what we're doing so we can avoid it. And I think if you're, if you're advancing at a reasonable spiritual level, you can sidestep the problems that most people will experience because, again, that's your choice. And, and you're doing that from a conscious perspective, so therefore you can then define the life that you have moving forward, and that's the point. Yeah. Everything that's going to happen was always going to happen. Right? That problem was always going to be raided. We were always going to have this conversation, mm. and people are going to do whatever they're going to do because it's, it's already been laid out. But it's only by being conscious enough that you then make some choices can you then define different outcomes before you move forward. And the people that do that are a very tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of the population. Do you do you feel that your experience at that pub has changed your outlook in any way? Or do you think it's just entirely. confirmed? Entirely. No, entirely. I, I never considered that democracy was an illusion. I never considered that freedom was a lie. I never considered that and it was just like a kind of like a harm a harm moment that went off, you know, you know, a good few days afterwards when I started looking at it all and I went, Ah, right, okay. Now I'm getting it. Now I'm beginning to understand it a little bit better. Um and so I as I say I've just started putting this little group together called Surviving Twenty Twenty Four excuse me, Surviving Twenty Twenty Four. Because I think that's that's what my focus is, is if I get past twenty twenty four, I'm all right. It's what happens in between. That's the problem. Well, I think we've given everybody a lot of food for thought mm -hmm. um, and a sort of to-do list, if yeah. you like. Um, we've kept you way longer than um, we had agreed to, <laughs> which is an occupational hazard yeah. with Corona Stories. That was great. Because we like to make sure everybody has the airtime that they need. We, we, we don't you. believe in five-minute snippets, no, really. No, not really. Um, because we think the devil is in the detail, and that's why we are different from mainstream media. Um, so thank you so much, Mark, for for coming on. And I really would encourage listeners to um, have a look at the videos. Are your videos on BitChute, Mark? Do you know, the weird thing is um, I loaded... The, the interviews on BitChute, um, and then I loaded yesterday, tried to load the other two that you've put up onto mm -hmm. BitChute, and it went through all the processing, and then they put them up. Oh. Like, really weird. So I've got to figure out one hour freeze on there. But the other two, for some unknown reason, I don't know. But, when but I it use, will be. I'll find a way. When I use BitChute, though, they process, and then you have to put them on. So you have to go back once the processing's been done. I'll have a look. It doesn't automatically do it like with YouTube because that I've fallen foul of that a couple of times with Inform Scotland yeah. videos. Anyway, they if, will be on there. If you send me, me, the, me a couple of hours. Yeah. Alright, if you send me the links, I'll put them in the show notes so people can see them. Okay. okay. Cool. Yes, I'll definitely do that. Right. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank and you. Enjoy the rest of your evening, Mark. And I hope you make it. I to will do. Twenty twenty four. I hope we we'll uh, make it to 2024. I'm planning on being there. Yeah. Oh, I'll be, I'll be there, all right. <laughs> <laughs>
I can guarantee it. No, I'm, I'm probably too positive, but um, but that's only because I, I know I know what I'm doing, and that's why I'm stressing to everybody to stand back from everything and then start to kind of think about it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and avoid going down the rabbit holes because you, you'll just end up finding another rabbit hole and a rabbit hole and a rabbit hole. And that's what everybody's doing in all these groups. They're just sharing all these problems and more problems and then problems and then problems and problems. You've got to stand back from all of that and go, if, if it were to get like this or get like that, what do I need to do now to avoid it? I like that. I like active planning. I think I yep. think that's going to be our sort of motto from this um, podcast is get planning. Mm-hmm. You have to. You have to, but you have to know what you're planning for. Otherwise, planning doesn't have any point. Yeah. It's like, I, you know, I go to some of these groups and I'm like, they want to do all these different things, you know. I'm saying, well, look, what's the problem? And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, look, if you're going to solve a problem, you want to create a solution to something, you need to know what the problem is. If you know what the problem is, you can then create a solution. As, as much as you do that, remember it was always going to happen in the first place. Yeah. And so you have to look at what you think the problem is, and only then can you make you know, be ready for creating whatever it is that you need to create. If you don't know what the problem is, what steps are you going to take? Because there's no relevance to them. Okay. All right. Well, thank Excellent. you, Mark. And good night. Good night. And keep in touch, Mark. Keep in touch. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Take care. Much appreciated. Bye. 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 We hope you enjoyed this conversation and you'll join us again for the next one. Thank you, listeners.